Welcome to the official podcast of the Canberra Raiders. So close to the Raiders. And Papali would be an appropriate man to score. He's done it. He's done it. Brought to you by OAC Digital. Come join us as we go behind the limelight. Hello and welcome to Behind the Limelight, the Raiders' official podcast, thanks to OAC Digital. Time to have a look back on the season that was 2020. We'll reflect on the season and have a look at some of the highlights. We'll also cover off the uh, disappointing uh, preliminary final loss against the Storm on Friday night up there at Suncorp Stadium. And we'll find out what's been making news this week at Raiders HQ. Joining me for the final time this season, Tom Logan, back out of the bubble, uh, and also John Croyder. Guys, uh, welcome back. Yeah, cheers, mate. Good to be here and good to have you back, Tommy. Yeah, thanks, boys. It's uh, nice to have a bit of freedom again. You were in there for like <laughs> you were in there for like eight days. Come on, those, those poor guys. And it was long enough. The players and staff had spent six months in the bubble. You went in for eight days, and you haven't stopped whinging about it since you got out. So, um, yeah. Anyway, it's uh, good to have you back, mate. And uh, disappointing that we've got you back because it means that the season's over. Um, unfortunately, the Raiders going down. Um, convincingly 30 points to 10 against the Storm in the preliminary final. We'll touch on that shortly, but first of all, it's time to go around the horn. Yeah, after a disappointing loss um, against the Storm, it was great to kick off uh, this week with some um, wonderfully um, exciting news, uh, particularly for the club and for the individual himself. And I, I allude to Jack White and picking up the Dally M medal, the first time a Raiders player has won since 1995, since Laurie Daly won the award and... Um, obviously Jack's first uh, Dally M uh, to go with his Clive Churchill medal that he won in the NRL Grand Final last year. Tom, uh, a great achievement um, for another great season from Jack. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, the only thing he's missing now is a premiership ring, so hopefully that's for next year. Uh, Jack, wonderful season. Uh, you can't take anything away from him. He's been absolutely outstanding. Uh, the, tr- the transition from fullback to 5'8 is now complete. He's just made that seamlessly and it's, it's well-deserved. Yeah, I look at the commentary around the award and uh, obviously people, um, some people questioning, um, you know, whether Jack deserved the award and, you know, you've only got to go back through the, the end of, I mean, this is an individual award inside a team sport. So what you have to look at in this in this situation is uh, how the team's gone. So obviously if the team's performed well all season and the Raiders ended up making the top five, just narrowly, narrowly missing out on the top four. So they had a great team season. Uh, but inside that, Jack had a wonderful uh, individual season. Um, and that's where these players um, can really stand up and win an award like this, John. And um, the other contenders, Nathan Cleary and Clint Gutherson, very close, but in the end, Jack uh, edged them out. Yeah, exactly. And um, Jack was outstanding. As you said, Like we had a good season, so... A Raiders player was always likely to be in the mix, and that was likely to be Jack. Just because when when nothing seems to be happening, he comes up with just moments of magic. He just turns games on its head, and there's not many players who can do that because this is the best rugby league competition in the world. It's a high caliber of player, and Jack sometimes just makes it look like he's he's just a class above playing against um, guys who just can't handle his physicality and like, his kicking's improved, his passing's improved, like. He's just been going out of this world. And as you're saying, Tommy, like these last 18 months have been outstanding for him, winning the Clive. Um, and I, he could even be like a bit of a shout for um, a half spot for, for the Blues because he's he's been that good. Yeah, Meninga medal as well. Don't forget that he picked up alongside that against Josh Papali. We talk about the Blues and we'll, we'll touch on that in a little moment. But, um, I, you know, once again, an outstanding individual season. And we all know that um, Darren Lockie is probably the benchmark when we talk about 
players that have moved from fullback to 5'8", but Jack um, continues to develop and you know it's probably better to judge him at the end of his career, but doing everything he can possibly um, to steer the Raiders to a premiership and um, you know next season he'll be only bigger and better um, for the achievements that he's been able to pick up this year. Uh, and it's just, um, once again, a great reward for his efforts. So uh, well done to Jack Whiten. Uh, memberships on sale, guys. Can you believe it? 2021 memberships all ready to go again. And uh, the, the uh, list of packages um, and the prices are all on there on raiders.com.au. Uh, we spoke to Taylor uh, last week from the, the CFE uh, team about memberships being on sale, but really good uptake early on, I believe, John. Yeah, exactly. A lot of um, fans wanting to renew and um, be part of the Raiders family for, for 2021. And um, as also Taylor was saying um, last week, a lot of uh, 2020 members being rewarded through a number of promotions. And uh, I believe that the surprise and delight, which sounds really exciting, where um, 17 um, members from 2020 will be getting signed Raiders jerseys. I think that's getting drawn this week as well. Yeah, it is. Um, so keep an eye out uh, in the post. You might be one of those lucky 17 that... Uh, pick up a signed jersey from this year, and in a year where players weren't really allowed to sign anything, uh, what a what a huge commodity one of those would be. So good luck to all of the uh, the members uh, who are in the uh, running to win that. And um, for those of you who uh, haven't signed up yet or haven't renewed, just head to raiders.com.au forward slash membership. Let's talk some state of origin, um, and obviously with the season over for the Raiders, uh, a couple of names added to the. Uh, New South Wales Blues training uh, squad, which will uh, head into camp at the end of this week uh, for the guys that came from uh, last weekend's games. And we saw uh, both Nick uh, Kotrick and Jack White and Tom retaining their pace, uh, places in that squad for 2020. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be great to see them again. Uh, where, where Jack's going to be utilising the Blues squad remains to be seen. Uh, I'm with Johnny there. I think uh, I think I'd love to see Jack in the halves alongside Nathan Cleary. That would be uh, quite a combination. Oh, there's no doubt in the world that he could do a, a wonderful job in that position. But the reality is that, that New South Wales is very, very thin on centres. Mm. Uh, and when you've got Luke Cleary there um, as an option in the halves as well, uh, Nathan Cleary... Um, I, I think Brad Fittler's not going to change things up too much in that respect. I think Jack will play at left centre. Um, from all reports, I think Clint Gutherson's going to play on, on the right, uh, in the right centre position. So um, Stephen Crichton, obviously, is another guy that's still playing uh, at the moment and will feature in the grand final this weekend. So he's an option as well. But I just think that um, based on how well he went there last year, uh, and what uh, the players that they have available, I just think Jack will end up for at least game one um, at left centre. I think that's also a testament to Jack, just uh, showing how versatile he is and that he's able to play a number of different positions. So it's a great problem for them to have. And also it's a good, it's not a bad problem for um, for the Blues to have as well just because he'll be just playing like one out from where he's playing mm. now and that just gives an extra kicking option and things like that when, when there's pressure on the kickers and stuff like that. So he'll probably get taken out late again there. So... <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, he, he's had a great season. I can't can't wait to see uh, both Nick and and Jack get a chance with the Blues. Yeah, Nick will uh, represent the Raiders for the final time as a New South Wales Blue. Uh, Tom, you were up there um, with the team on the weekend, and uh, I believe there was an emotional uh, moment in the Sheds post game where both John Bateman and Nick Kotrick addressed the group and and thanked them um, for everything they've done for him. And it would have been nice for the guys to you know um, you know hear the appreciation in their voices. Yeah, definitely. Um I got yeah. There was a bit of a moment in their post game which hit me right in the feels. Where um, um, you know, obviously it was very somber in the dressing room after the loss. But um, Ricky, Stewart, I won't go into the details because I think that should be kept in inside there. But 
Ricky Stewart just went uh, into detail just about how proud he was of the team for everything they've had to overcome this season. And obviously, he at the end, he thanked uh, John and Nick for their for their service to the club. And um, uh, John and Nick both got up and said a few words, and they couldn't do it without breaking down emotionally. So that was um, that was pretty that, that was pretty hard to sort of sit there and watch because um, it, it definitely. Um, Hit hit me personally, just like what what the club meant to those two, and um, it was really nice to see. Yeah, I saw Paddy. Um, he almost broke down too in a Fox Sports interview directly after the game. So, look, um, before we move on, um, you know, do we just want to say once again thank you to those guys, um, for their service to the club and um, uh, the departing players, which I think the the club's in the process of uh, finalising their squad for the uh, twenty twenty one season. So. Um, we'd be able to shed a little bit more light on what that may look like uh, in the coming weeks. But, um, you know, uh, to those two guys, um, you know, Nick obviously was a Raiders junior and has decided to move on and, and John's going back to England to, to go back to Wigan and be with his family. So um, thanks to those two guys for everything that they've done for the club. And before we move on, though, we've got to talk also about the Queensland uh, players that feature in Origin this year. And we've seen uh, – well, I haven't seen the – they haven't announced a list as of the time of recording of this podcast of who's in their continuation of their squad, but you'd have to think Josh Papali's a walk-up starter and uh, we've talked all year about uh, Dynamis Louis yeah. potentially being in that squad and they did name Lindsay Collins the week before for the Roosters, so um, you know there's still an opportunity for, for Nami to get in there, John, but um, you know he'd probably be an outside chance now that the Raiders probably haven't progressed through to the grand final. Yeah, I, I think he's probably a 50-50 chance. Uh, I think if we got through to the grand final, it would have been probably about a 75-80% chance. Um, but they've been normally announcing their squads on a, on a Wednesday, so by the time this podcast is out, it may already be announced. Um, but, yeah, Josh Papali, definitely definitely a start-up, and he'll he'll be um, just the leader in, in that pack. But I, I still reckon Nami's a chance because he's got that good working combination with, with Papa. Yeah, it would be interesting to see if uh, if he does get it. And if he does, uh, it'd be a reward for a really good season for him. So uh, good luck to all the Raiders players involved in Origin. And we can't wait to see it. A little bit different this year at the back end of the season. And uh, it'll just keep everyone's footy fix going through till the, the, the start of December. Can you believe that? So, um, yeah, good luck to all those guys in green that are playing for their respective states. Bring it on. All right, let's have a look at it. 30 points to 10 up there at Suncourt Stadium. Not the result that the club, uh, the team or the fans were after, um, but unfortunately that's just the way it panned out. And uh, really, Tom, it came from uh, you know a 15-minute uh, masterclass from the Melbourne Storm. They, they really um, put us to the sword early on and we just couldn't get back into the contest. Yeah, it, it felt like one of those really bad dreams that you wake up from and you just think, oh, thank goodness that's over. Um, because... Our start ultimately cost us. Melbourne were just switched on from the word go, and I just can't help but wonder if it had anything to do with our preparation on the day. Oh, I don't think we. I don't think we can go there. To oh. be honest, I just think um, you know you look at that situation and you think to yourself, um, you know, a couple of hours in a hotel, yes, probably would have been beneficial, but I don't think that you can blame. The, on that, I mean, the storm were really good. You got to, you can't, yeah. can't take anything away from them, and and we just made too many errors. Simple as that. I think the <coughs> other thing that was was really good from from Melbourne's point of view was just the way that they were getting out of their own end, and they were just getting those like two shifts, um, and really ma- like really challenging our defensive line. Like a lot of the time, teams against us have just been going one out, or or even just someone running out from dummy half half themselves. They were really moving the 
the ball around, really taking our middles out of the game. It was a really, really smart tactic and it paid off for them. We were a little bit flat. We got back into the fight. Yeah. We put on a lot of pressure. For 60 minutes, we were right in the contest. It's just a shame that we couldn't be there for that first 20. Yeah, exactly. We put on so much pressure, but they backed their defence and, and it got them home. Yeah, there were some encouraging signs there in the second half. I think that first uh, tackle from the kickoff where the boys drove them back into the in goal, um, you know, you, you sort of got half a feeling that something special might be brewing. But um, once again, just a little error crept in there and uh, we weren't able to capitalise on that um, opportunity. Yeah, it was unfortunate. Jeez, uh, um, uh, I guess when the boys, you know, pushed them back in goal, that really got me revved up and I thought we were on there. But unfortunately, like you said, there was a little error that crept in and I think that Dale Fanu can try uh, that they scored at the end where it sort of, you know, took that wicked bounce and... Yep. Falled straight into his arms. I think that really sort of summed up our night. Oh, I agree with you wholeheartedly, uh, Tom, when you talked about the, the nightmare, waking up from the nightmare, because it was one of those games, and, and Ricky Stewart always talks about you need a bit of luck uh, in a game, and we just weren't getting any, and it was probably, you know, probably through a little bit of fault of our own. It was just a few th- little um, bits and pieces that just didn't go away. I mean, uh, Nick Kotrick, um, you know, he tries to knock that ball dead 99 times and he gets it or he, you know, just grabs it and goes to the ground. But, you know, he has an air swing and they score. Uh, you know, obviously they, they scored a couple of pretty freakish tries in that opening few minutes and um, it just uh, it just wasn't on our night, John. No, it wasn't our night. And um, I think after those first 15 minutes, it just felt like, OK, it's going to be a massive performance to get us into a grand final. Um I thought after that 20 minutes, though, I thought we said we, we performed really well. I thought Sia Soliola had the best game of, his, of the season for, for him. He was absolutely outstanding coming off the bench. His energy and also um, Nami with him. But then Corey Harawira Naira. Mm. Yep. And that rest made me – he was playing on, on an edge because um, when Chans went off for um, an HIA, so Nick moved to fullback and um, Corey moved into the second row and – he was outstanding. So much energy in his runs. Mm-hmm. Really encouraging sign for next year. You know, obviously, um, with John Bateman leaving, you're going to have likes of Corey Harawira Naira, um, Hudson Young. Um, just to, you know, they'll be the sort of front runners for that uh, that edge position, edge, edge back row spot. So great to see them doing. I thought George Williams was great too. In in another big game, um, he really stood up and and took control, uh, particularly in that second half. And um, just unfortunately, um, we were just chasing too many points and, and we weren't able to get there. Yeah, exactly. And that little kick for, for Nick was um, pinpoint perfect to set up that try. What about the, did you guys see the photo of um, George throwing his boots into the crowd? And there's these two kids and then one parent all fighting for the, for the boots. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's at the game. Can you please let me know who please got the boots? Tell us that the kids got the boots. I want the, the kid in the blue shirt. He just seems so happy. I just don't want him to be disappointed. Yeah, no, so well, I George. 100% agree there. No, look, uh, we won't dwell on that performance too much longer. Um, this is what Ricky Stewart had to say after the game. And um, obviously, he was very disappointed, but, um, you know, he, he took it at face value, and this is what he had to say. First 25 minutes that uh, we had no footy, we, we didn't defend well. Um, <clears throat> and it was, you know, four tries, four tries to nil was a um, really disappointing because we were passive in defence and we didn't start well and it was a, um, it was not us. And uh, I, can, I, can, I can handle the loss. I can understand the loss, um, but I'm just really disappointed that um, we didn't play to our, uh, or we didn't have one of our better games tonight. That was a disappointing part of it from a coaching point of view. It was a, um, you know, a game that, um, from a coach, disappoints you because you know you're better than that. But 
Melbourne uh, did a really good job. They did a wonderful job of um, uh, using the weight of possession they had. And um, to our character and uh, the resilience that are in, in, is, is in the team, um, you know, we hung around and, and tried to turn it around, but uh, Melbourne just wouldn't. Melbourne just wouldn't let us, and it was a um, uh, made it a tough night. But um, you know, I'm very proud of uh, where we got to. I'm disappointed in uh, not going one step further because I think we're better than what we showed tonight. Um, and you know, and you. You can't take it for granted in getting to uh, this position on uh, um, in the season because <clears throat> you know it's, you fight so hard to get here and you put so much work into uh, get to this this stage of the season and for us to let ourselves down like that in the first 25 minutes is is the disappointing part. But I can handle the loss. But I, I genuinely uh, you know wish Craig and, and Cameron and their team. Uh, all the best for next week. There he is, Raiders coach Ricky Stewart, reflecting on that 30 to 10 preliminary final loss. Um, I mean, if you sat back here five years ago and said that the Raiders would uh, make a grand final one season uh, and then make a, a preliminary final the next, um, a lot of people wouldn't have expected that. So, you know, a tremendous effort by the club over the past two seasons and uh, the squad doesn't change a lot going into next year. So plenty of encouraging signs there, Raiders fans, and I just can't wait already for 21 to kick off. Right, guys, time to have a look now um, back at some of the, the good stuff for, for 2020. Um, a number of little topics that we've, uh, we've come up with and put together um, to have a little bit of a talk about and, uh, um, you know, obviously get our opinion on, on what we think were some of the highlights for the season and we're going to kick it off with uh, the best win um, in 2020 for me. Uh, I look back and I, I think of that Roosters game at the Sydney Cricket Ground in Round 10 where... Um, we were able to overcome the adversity of losing Josh Hodgson um, the week before, for which was pretty much the rest of the season with that ACL injury. And um, we played so well that night. Uh, Josh Papali in particular was outstanding. And um, we'll never forget that try that he scored uh, to seal that win. Yeah, I think the, the best part about that win was just the fact that I think previously in the previous week we had played Melbourne and we had obviously lost a number of players through injury. And not only were everyone was everyone writing us off for the for the game against the Roosters, but ultimately the season, everyone thought we were done. So um, when we won that game, that was just an awesome feeling. Yeah, because Bailey Simonson was out for the season too, mm. and then during that game against the Roosters, Michael Oldfield got injured. So yeah. Semi Valame came in for his debut, and um, yeah, that that was a good win. It's hard hard to beat. I've gone with um, a, a game for, just for different reasons. I actually don't remember heaps about the game itself, but. Um, a lot of the emotion with it, just the round three win against the Melbourne Storm. Um, just footy being back just meant so much to obviously all the, all the players, a lot of the staff who weren't, weren't sure what their um, jobs were, were looking like. There was so much uncertainty and Peter Volandi's got the game back and running. And then we go down there and we were pretty good in the first 20 minutes. We are just clinical. We didn't have a lot of chances. We scored uh, quick tries and then... Had took so much pressure in defence, and our defence was fantastic. I remember Joe Tarpanay saving um, almost a certain try, and just the emotion of that. Like I, I was um, wasn't working um, here at the time, and I just got to watch that one as a fan, and I really enjoyed that win. Yeah, it was a great win, and it really um, 
showed the character the boys had been able to build during that COVID break, and they came back into the into the um, season, you know, flying after that win. So that was a good one, Tom. For you, yeah. So I've gone with um, the round twenty clash against the Sharks. Um, it was just for me. It was just a great. Not only was it just great to get the win, but it was also just good to see a lot of the the other members of the Raiders bubble that, you know, they were the guys that weren't sort of playing every week, but, you know, they were turning up to training, flogging themselves and then going home and not having the game to focus on for the weekend. So for them to get, most of them to get a run and obviously win as well and, you know, see a lot of the young guys, that was outstanding. And um, a really good moment from that game was when um, Sam Williams was able to lead out the Raiders and he scored that try off that really cool kick from Salo. I think, um, and I, said, I think I said this at the time after that, that's one of the most enjoyable mm. Canberra Raiders games I've watched for a very long time because uh, nobody expected us to win. Um, you know, there was the, the opportunity to, to sneak into the top four if we did get a win and it probably wasn't until about the 65th minute or 70th minute where I, um, and I genuinely thought we were home and, and going to win that game that I then it became a, I got a bit nervous because I thought geez if we do win this and and then Parramatta lose to the Tigers we'll be in the top four but yeah. you know it was just great to see the enthusiasm of those younger players and the older players that that came into that game and and you know looked after the younger guys and um, just the buzz and the excitement of that whole week the only the only downer on that one was that the injury to Ryan Sutton yeah. um, which probably took a little bit of shine off it but I, I agree a great win and a great performance from the team toughest loss um, this is always a hard one to digest and uh, for me I, I look back to that round six game against Manly um, at Campbelltown and um, that was that was for me was one of the harder ones to take I thought that um, we were never really in that game. Uh, and it's just something about when we play Manly, I just we just seem to really struggle with their style of play, and um, uh, particularly when they lost uh, Tom Trebojevic to that hamstring injury, I thought oh, we'll go on and win this game. But like um, like the same thing happened a couple of years ago with Daly Cherry Evans getting injured, um, we weren't able to do it, and um, that at the time was really disappointing. And um, it was a really really tough period for the team, you know, having to play those games at Campbelltown. Um, and make that extra travel um, to those first few games, and and uh, John, they were they were pretty flat after that one. Yeah, because I think they also lost. Um, I think I think there were Dylan two Walker. other Castle Dylan Walker and Brad Parker as well. Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. So yeah. they had only one player on the bench, and I really thought yeah. um, we're going to get up there. Those Campbelltown games were yeah. were tough. I, I've gone for my top sauce was was last weekend for obvious reasons. It's just with those games, they were frustrating and. Irritating uh, those Campbelltown ones, but this one, this one just was the toughest loss, just because it felt um, that we were just chasing our tails and we weren't really in in the game until it was a bit too late. Yeah, and that, and that's why that one goes down as the toughest loss for me. Uh, my so for mine is um, it's a bit of a personal one. So for um, it was the round I can't remember what round it was. Round four against the Knights, also another Campbelltown special. Uh, because that was right off the back of when we beat the Storm in round three and I spent the whole week just talking absolute banter with a lot of my mates that go for <laughs> nine supporters and I ended up with a big egg on my face after that yeah, one. Yeah, that was a disappointing one too and that's what I was trying to allude to there before yeah. was uh, yeah, it was just another game where we didn't really really turn up and it was a... Um, it was one of those really like flat, low-energy games and we just couldn't make any yardage and um, we actually um, made the Knights look yeah. a lot better than they were travelling at that time. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was a real disappointing one. Yeah, I think the most encouraging thing, if you look back at the three games that we've highlighted, there's, if two of those were really early in the season. We were able to get back into the momentum and, and set ourselves up for a really good season. So, um, you know, the encouraging signs are there that, you know, this team... 
um, can go through a bit of a tough patch and come out the other side, which is a great thing. So, um, yeah, we're not going to dwell on those ones for too long, but, um, you know, you definitely have to take the good with the bad. The best player uh, of the season, and uh, obviously I've gone for the obvious one um, off the back of his Dally M last night, Jack Whiten. I just think that the way that he controlled the games for us this year, uh, alongside uh, George Williams, and particularly when uh, Josh Hodgson um, was ruled out for the season um, with that injury, um, you know, Jack probably doesn't win the Dally M medal if, if Josh Hodgson um, is out for the season because we play a different style of football and he probably doesn't take as much ownership um, as what he does when Josh is there. So um, just watching Jack mature into the player that he's become and the way that he's played his football for me was, um, was really exciting and I thought he was um, you know, fantastic for us this year. It's hard to argue against the Dally M player of the year, but I am going to argue that um, Josh Pally was um, the best player in, in my eyes just because of the amount of injuries we had in the middle. We lost – like we have such a good four-pack. It's, it's easy to forget that we lost – Emre Gula, Corey Horsburgh, we lost C.S. Oliola for a big chunk of the season. Um, and Josh Papali just stood up. He, he stands up in the really big games. He can score those, those tries, um, which can just give the whole team a lift. He's, he, almost some, he sometimes just looks untouchable. He's, he's offload, I feel like his offloads developed even more. Like He's always had that in his game, but uh, I feel like he went to another level this year. And um, so... Well, it's hard to argue against Jack. Papa's for it's me. amazing how he can just find another level every year. I mean, it just seems like he keeps getting better and better and better. And he's um, he, he puts it down a lot to his commitment to his football. Like he's a lot um, more regimented on his diet, on his training, on his preparation. And that probably becomes um, something that happens when you be, become a more experienced player. I mean, he's a he's a ten year player now, and he's um he's also um you know. You know, settled in his family life, and he's he's just a wonderful um, asset. So, uh, yeah, no, Jack and Josh were right up there for you, Tom. Yeah, I, I honestly can't split the two, so I'm going to go Jack and Papa. It's pretty hard. I think both were just outstanding, yep. and you know, if if one of them wasn't sort of you know taking the headlines, it was the other one. Um, but I've I've also got to give an honourable shout out to George Williams because I reckon his contribution to our success this season is. Probably gone a little bit under the radar. I think we'll see. I don't think we've seen the best of George Williams in the NRL yet either. Mm. I think um, we, we forget that uh, you know he had a, a pretty interrupted um, preseason this year. He, mm. he um, was carrying a bit of a calf injury mm. um, and missed a lot of that big training um, period where he was um, to establish some fitness. So we probably didn't see his best performances in the opening rounds, but. Geez, he got good towards the back of the season and he just became a huge part of our team. 100%. And I think he's, um, over the last month of, of um, the season, his long kicking game really came yeah. on leaps and bounds. Mm. And I, I just think that just makes his short kicking just so much more dangerous because he's got so many different options. Let's talk about the breakout player, one of the younger players that stood up. And I think we had seven players make their NRL debut. Semi Valame won the uh, mm. club's Rookie of the Year award. Um, but in terms of players that, you know, I've only played a handful of first-grade games, I mean, really hard for me to go past Tom Starling. Uh, what he did um, for this side with Josh Hodgson out and the way that he was able to come in and do a job. And, and, and Ricky did a great job just keeping it nice and simple for Starlo, you know, playing, his, playing to his strengths. Um, and, you know, he realised that he wasn't going to be a game-controlling uh, dummy half like Josh Hodgson. It was about getting good service to to the likes of Jack White and George Williams. And I just thought in tandem with Saliva Havili, he did an outstanding job this year. So uh, for me, it was Tom Starling. Yeah, he was unreal and his defence was was so good. I've gone for one of his good mates, actually, Hudson Young. And I just think he was 
absolutely outstanding. Like he um he came into the game. I think the game against Manly was his first game back from that um from that band. He was on an edge, and he moved into the middle, and he just rocketed. Like he his performances were absolutely outstanding. In the final sixty minutes, stints just giving absolutely everything. I think there's still there's some there's going to be even more improvement in his game, yep. and uh, he's another fantastic. Uh, player coming through in a really exciting young forward pack. Yeah, um, I think both of those players have had to overcome a lot of adversity in such a you know young short career so far. But I've also gone for Huddy. I, I just thought towards the back end of the season he really sort of stepped up to another level and was playing some unreal footy. And I've I've really enjoyed watching Huddy over the last few weeks. He's been ripping in and doing everything. And the fact that he's he's Probably two of his best performances come in the two biggest games of the year, the semi-final against the Roosters, and then he backed it up with another huge effort um, against the Storm last weekend. Uh, we, we didn't really mention him earlier, but he was outstanding in that, um, in that starting uh, middle role um, at the, in that game against the Storm last weekend. So, yeah, you can't argue there. Uh, Hudson Young, you know, a wonderful young player and um, definitely, you know, the, the, the big decision needs to be made um, over the off-season is where, where does he play? Um, does he does he come back in into does he stay in the middle does he play on the edge um, you know with John Bateman going there's that opportunity so um, I think um, it'll be a really um, interesting off season to see where he ends up. What would you What would you do if it was your call? I I have to see um, you know how they train during the off season. I mean Corey Harrowira Naira um, is an out and out edge back rower mm. and he's done a great job for for Penrith um, and limited opportunity at the Dogs as well so. Um, you know, he's probably one that you could put there, but I don't think um, I don't think Hudson would look out of place there as well. You know, there's there's a case to 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 job share that role really, and you can the, the versatility of both of those players. You could possibly play, um, you know, one of them on a on an edge for a period, and and give the ability to give one of them a rest during a game as well. I really like Huddy in the middle, but also I'm really excited to see Corey on the edge next year. So oh, you've got great skill, Corey, yeah. and that's probably where you want in a back row, and that's what John Bateman brought mm. a little bit of unpredictability and a and a bit of um a bit of a passing game and things like that too. So yeah, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Our player that impressed you the most, someone who stood up all year for me, um, can't go past Johnny's man, uh, Dynamis Louis. Thought he was um. <laughs> Outstanding for us this year, and and forget that earlier in the year um, when we didn't have as many injuries in the middle, um, Ricky actually uh, went for other players in front of him, and and Nami had to work his way back into the team, and and ever since he did that, he just stood up every week, and you know his efforts in those games were just outstanding, particularly um, when we were very low on middles. Yeah, he he was unreal, and um, I remember when he got dropped, I was taking we had a scrimmage game here at. Um, um, at the Raiders Huawei Centre um, against the Dragons. And his attitude in that, with there was a lot of young guys around. He was probably, I, I can't remember, I don't think Michael Oldfield was in the scrimmage game. So I think he was the only real senior guy, apart from Sam Williams, um, in this game. And he was just, like, his attitude is so good. And it's hard to imagine a Raiders side without him, really. Like, he got dropped, but you can't see him getting dropped again. Yeah, he's just a, a wonderful asset and he's had a great season for you, John. Well, for me, it's Joe Tarpanay because I think a lot of our success this year has been built off our middles. And um, Joe Tarpanay has, he's always shown promise, but he hasn't been getting suspended. He hasn't, um, he only got like one, I think it was like a, like maybe a calf injury was one week, but he only missed one week um, through the season. And he's just been able to deliver performance after performance because we've always seen that he's, um, I think he's a player that takes a little bit of the season to get going. 
And um, normally when he starts getting going, that's when he's gotten the injury or the suspension. But his, um, his footwork, his ability to offload, um, he's, he's been enormous, especially the back end of the season. And his defence has lifted too. Um, he, um, he's worked really hard with uh, the coaching staff to, to get his D right. And, um, you know, he's been a huge asset for us in the middle. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but when I watch our games and um, we start with um, Joshua Parley and Joe Tarpany, um, when they go off, you know, you feel a little bit, oh, mm-hmm. you know, how are we going to go with those two guys off the field? And then it's almost like the, the pressure valves relieved when they come back onto the field and they make such an impact when they're out there. So, um, you know, uh, I think I agree he's had a great season. Yeah, for me, it's Ryan Sutton. I just think um, missing out on the finals last year, Sutto, he's still quite young. I think he's probably 25. I think we were talking about yeah. this the other day, 25 years old. But for me, Sutto is just super professional. He turns up, he does his job, he prepares well and he does all the he ticks all the boxes and I just think he, he took his game to another level this year and he's I'm looking forward to seeing him next year. And he went viral in Spain. So that's something that's pretty <laughs> if, good. If, and if it probably if it probably wasn't for COVID, I, I dare say he would have probably got gotten himself an England call up this year as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. He's he's um he had a great season and I think um the, the thing that I loved about Sato was right at the end there in that, that last round of the season where he picked up that injury. Um, nobody gave him any opportunity to come back and play any more football um, mm. for the rest of the season. They just basically wrote him off and said, you know, an injury like that's, you know, six, eight weeks, you, you, you won't be back. And uh, he managed to get himself in the, on the team sheet um, for that prelim last weekend. So mm. wonderful effort from Sutto. And we've all sort of gone for middle players there and it probably just shows the, where we were at our best um, in this season was in through that middle part of the field. And uh, well done to all those three guys uh, for very impressive seasons. Um, your favourite moment on or off the field? Um, lots, um, you know, obviously we have a bit of fun around here and a lot of good things can happen in the club and um, a lot of good things happen on the field. For, for me, off the field, um, the moment for me was um, just all those uh, guys that made their debut this year and being able to capture those moments and share it with the members and fans. I thought that was great and, um, you know, we saw a varied way of doing it. We had Semi uh, Valame. You know, speaking to his uh, his sister back in Fiji, uh, Harley Smith Shields had some messages from his family. Um, Matt Tomoko with the not so hidden camera, <laughs> uh, with Jared Croker, um, the guys at the end of the season with all those debuts. Yeah. Kai O'Donnell, you know, with the team um, around and Ricky announcing it in front of everyone. It was just great insight to the club, and it shows the great culture there is here. Yeah, definitely, yeah. and I think. Um, I think we talked about this last week. We're a team that really um, plays well for, for milestones and really value and, um, and cherish those moments. For me, I've actually gone with the milestone moment and I think for me it was um, Dynamis Louis' 150th NRL game. And I think the reason why that was my favourite moment was just because um, of his journey to get to 150 games. Uh, he's had, he was a journeyman, he found a home. Uh, he um, went through his first season here, he had that uh, ACL uh, injury against uh, Manly, I think it was around 7 2017. And um, even the way he didn't even want to, like he was excited but didn't want to talk about his 150th and just um, how willing other people were and teammates were just to talk about it and um, really step up for him. It, that for me was just a really um, special moment. Yeah, so for me, um, it's a bit of a funny one actually, but it goes back to round two when we played the Warriors. Uh, up on the Gold Coast, and it was just uh, filming Roaming <laughs> Elliot on the plane. Uh, you know, there was a pretty strange feeling at the time, ha- obviously travelling up to the Gold Coast there and back on the day and having sort of, I guess, your own private charter and then 
uh, obviously we were in a bit of a rush to get back onto the plane after the game. So, you know, I said to Smell, you know, well, let's do roaming Elliott on the plane and uh, it was it was quite enjoyable and yeah. a lot of uh, good gold in that. Yeah, we missed roaming Elliott this year a little bit through, um, obviously, we didn't have anyone in the bubble until uh, right at the back end of the season. So hopefully um, restrictions can be a little bit eased next year and we can... Um, bring it back because it's definitely one of the favourite segments on our, our digital platform. 2020, we'll put it behind us and we'll have a bit of a look forward to 2021. Uh, and let's talk about the thing that you're looking forward to. Um, now for me, obviously, we've got a couple of new players coming in. Ryan James, Caleb Aikens uh, joining the squad, Harry Rushton. Um, but I look to um, you know the team sheet this year and I think about the quality of players that we had sitting on the sideline. It's almost like we've got four new um, NRL stars coming back into the team this year and I talk about Josh Hodgson, Bailey Simonson, um, Corey Horsburgh and Emre Gula. I mean all these guys um, were pretty much rubbed out by halfway through the season and uh, to have all four of those um, ready to go for a full pre-season is going to be pretty great and you know, obviously Josh Hodgson and we, we know what a, um, what a linchpin he is to this team, he's co-captain. Um, he, he's the the the, um, the focal point of our attack, um, just a great leader. Um, so having him back, Bailey Simonson, just an athlete. Um, we've been watching him um, do his training out here on the on the the paddock um, and watching him work on his recovery. And he just looks bigger and stronger already, and uh, I can't wait to see him back out there. Uh, Corey Horsburgh, obviously we know he brings his aggression and he's just pure passion. And and Embra, Embra Gula was like one of the standout forwards at the back end of last season and to start this year. So to have all those four backs is going to be massive. Oh, absolutely massive. And then you've also got Curtis Scott as well. Who's yeah, got of course, just, Curtis Scott. He's yeah. got so much strike in that mm. in that back line. Like, um, and I think just him having a good mm. off season um, will be massive. So I, I'm with you on that. Yeah. What, what I'm excited about though is that this premiership window is open. And, um, you know, I'm not going to go to Lynn and say we're definitely going to win, win the comp or anything like that, but we do know that, that we've got a really good squad, as you've said. And um, what, I'm really excited to see what happens with, um, that, um, with John Bateman's spot. Like, what happens? Is it going to be Huddy? Is it going to be Corey going in there? Um, also, Bailey back on, on the wing because he, he's a freak. So I'm really excited because I know that we're going to play some some good footy. It was really exciting to watch us play this year. Ricky always talks about not having bad luck. Surely we can't have, surely <laughs> we can't have as as bad a luck as we've had this year. So um, I think that that's going to be really good as having all those guys back. And um, well, yeah, well, you talk yeah. about the the luck factor. Let's look at the. The two grand finalists, um, both Melbourne and Penrith, almost at full strength, mm. both teams. So, um, and, and we were the same last year. By the time we hit the grand final, we had a, a full squad to pick from. So you've got to have your best players available. That's just the way that the, the competition works and the salary cap. You need your best players available at the business end of the season. And, and unfortunately, we, we were missing a few um, and probably run out of a little bit of steam uh, at the back end of the year. But to, for you, Tom, what are you looking forward to? Yeah, it's more or less the same with what you guys were alluding to. It's just the fact that, um, you know, that we've got so many great play- quality players just returning uh, from injury and, um, you know, obviously adding guys in like, you know, Ryan James. Yeah, do uh, yourself a favour and follow him on Instagram and, and watch some of the training he's been doing. Jeez, he looks fit. Oh, man, that's a, that, that is a really exciting prospect. It's... Um, just and just what Johnny was alluding to as well, you know, just that the fact that you know this is a, a premiership. They'll window. be hungry too. They'll be that that, that loss um, against the Storm will will sting for quite a while. I think it'll burn just as much as that as a grand final loss because um, 
at least with the grand final, they knew that they you know pretty much played the game that they needed to play to mm. win the premiership, but um, they weren't at their best against the Storm. So I think that that'll burn and, and get them ready to go next year as well. And besides, besides losing John Bateman and Nick Kotrick, you, you, you look at our squad and oh, it's just so stacked. It's... It's really exciting to be a Raiders fan. Yeah, and you're also going to add, like, there's also those young players that got their chance this yeah. year. And I'm really excited to see Semi Valame continue yeah. his progress. Kai O'Donnell, um, Matt Tomoko. Tomoko yeah. Like, there's so many good good players there who are going to not just, even if they don't play, they're going to be um, improving the quality of the training sessions and putting pressure on, on guys to produce consistent performances. There we go. The crowd goes wild for a wonderful uh, end to the season. Uh, the podcast is over. <laughs> um, big thank you to you guys for uh, turning up each week and uh, being a part of it. It's been great to chat all things Raiders with you and uh, can't wait to do it all again in uh, 2021. Never a chore. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. Can't beat that, Tommy. And also want to say a big uh, thank you and uh, shout out to OAC Digital, the sponsor of the Behind the Line Lot podcast. We look forward to having you back on deck uh, next year so thank you for your support and to all the Raiders members and fans that tune in each week and have a listen to us talk everything Raiders we appreciate your support and can't wait to do it all again next season thank you and bye for now